Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We're honored that you're here, and we pray that you find this message both encouraging and inspiring. So, anyways, this morning... I am starting a new series called This is Hope Unlimited. Um, You've probably seen on my social media or the church's social media, I don't really know. But you've probably seen, I truly believe that this is going to be the most important sermon series that has ever happened at Hope Unlimited. I believe it's the most important one. Um, So if you're going to miss church, don't do it over the next seven weeks. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. Don't miss. Pedro laughs because he's like, oh, God, seven weeks of straight church attendance for everyone in the room. I need you to commit to seven weeks in a row. You can do it. You can do it. It's not hard, right? So I do believe that this is going to be the most significant sermon series that we've ever had in our church. There's a couple reasons why I believe that. Number one, because five of the seven messages, I'm not even preaching. So, yeah. And so you're going to get to hear not just from me, but you're going to get to hear from us, right? You're going to get to hear from our lead team, and you're going to get to hear more about, like, this isn't about me, right? This is about us. And I want you to hear from more than just me in the most important Uh, sermon series that we've ever had. I want you to hear from more than just me because this church, the way that it runs, it could not run if it was just me, right? It would not be what it is if it was just me. And so I want you here over the next seven weeks, um, and if not, you need to go back and listen. Um, The sermon series is called This is Hope Unlimited, and you're going to hear a lot about Hope Unlimited Church, who we are as a group of people, who we feel like God has called us to be, and I want you to be here. So, I'm going to start reading in Psalm 127. Do I need to switch mics? Is this good? Do I need to switch mics, or can I continue on with this one? Okay. Psalm 127. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builder is a waste. Let me read it to you in another version. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. We want the Lord to build this, right? We don't want to have to work and strive. And there are things that God asks us to do when we are building a church and when he uses us to build a church. But we want God to build this. We want this to be his. We don't want this to be ours. We want this to be his. We want, th- we want the Lord to look down upon Hope Unlimited Church and say, that is mine. And so I want to go to Habakkuk 2. 
Habakkuk 2. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. I want you to get this part. So the person who reads it may be able to run. Write the vision. Make it plain. So that he who reads it can run. Write the vision. Make it plain. So that he who reads it can run. I want to read one more passage of scripture to you this morning. Revelation chapter 2. It's not all the fun stuff in Revelation, so just calm down. We're going to be talking about sea monsters and all of that other stuff that we've said is in there. It's just Revelation chapter 2. It's Jesus to a church. Okay? I want you to engage with me here this morning. Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, The words of him who holds seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars, the seven golden lampstands, those are the seven churches that are within Asia. Okay? I know your works, your toil, your patience and endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But we have tested those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And we found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Listen to this. But I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, this is like New Testament, if. Right? This is New Testament Jesus talking, if not. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet, this you have, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray that we would hear this and let it sink deep within our hearts. God, we want you to build this. We want you to build this. We want to give, the, we want to give this church to you, all of us here. We want you to do this. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you this morning for what you're doing in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody give it up for Jake this morning on the keys. Me and Jake got into an argument this morning, so me and him are at odds with each other. So um, <laughs> me and Jake have been arguing about basketball this morning. I'm just going to leave it at that, okay? LeBron choked last night. That's all I got to say. <laughs> choked. Um, 
How many of you were here for last week? You were here last week for Pastor Robert being here? Yes, you were, Jansen. You were. Um, so this is what I kind of want to talk a little bit just from my heart this morning about what Pastor Robert shared last week, and then I want to get into some stuff for us. So Pastor Robert had a lot to say to us last week, if you were here. Had a lot to say, a lot for us to latch on to, a lot of just words from God that we need to figure out how to process as a church. And one of the tasks that I'm given as the pastor is how we are supposed to navigate when God speaks something to us specific, okay? And last week, um, Pastor Robert was basically coming into our church and saying, hey, it's time to move forward. It's time to run. Everything that happened behind you, like, don't worry about that anymore. All the people who tried to uh, tear your church down, don't worry about those people anymore. All the, all the things that were said about your church, don't do that. All the issues that you've had, don't worry about any of that. But move forward into everything that God has for you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, and so when I was kind of standing over there, I began to, Pastor Robert was just basically saying, it's time for us to run, right? It's time for us to do everything that God's called us to do, to be everything that God's called us to be. And there were a couple of other things that I was just like, it was our five-year anniversary. I was really like, thank God I don't have to preach because there were so many different things going through my mind. And there was a couple things that were shared with me that I was like, mm, that's from God. And then other things was like, mm, that's not from God. <laughs> um, but the main thing is, is that I feel that there, there, God is doing something among the people that call Hope Unlimited Church their home. And if you're just apart for the first time, I believe that he wants to do this with you and for you. Um, I believe, how many of you in the room have ever ran like a half marathon or Hannah? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's some people in the room. I have attempted to run a half marathon, okay? I have attempted. I got to about mile eight in my training, and I'm like, you know what? Eight miles is enough. I've accomplished a lot. Let's go, let's go on back to the house, okay? Got up to running about eight miles. I'm like, you know what? It's not for me. You know, I'm good. Um, but I'll, I'll go figure out something else. Um, but Pastor Robert said to our church, hey, it's time for you to run. And when you start running, how many of you know that you can't really just wake up one day and just go run a marathon or a half marathon, or you can't get a wild hair like me, and it's like, I've watched like eight YouTube videos, now I'm going to be an ultra marathon runner or something like that. It's like, you can't go do that. It's not the way it works. I need to lose about 100 pounds. And then I can be an ultra marathon runner. But I don't want to do that because then I would be vulnerable at jujitsu to bigger people. And I'm just not into that. Okay. Um, so, no. Um, but when I started running, trying for this half marathon, I kept hearing this word. You have to build a baseline threshold. You have to build this. You have to run to build this. 
And I think it's interesting that you can't just like do other things to build your threshold or your base threshold. You have to actually go and run. So it's not just something that you can like go do something else and then it prepares you to run. Like if you were going to run a very long way for a very long time, you have to actually go and run. And all that means is, is that you have the capacity physically to make it as long as you want to make it. Basically, like there is a place that you can get to. Have you, have you guys ever like watched any videos on ultra marathon running? <laughs> oh, that's a random question. Not a one. Okay. But there is a place that you can get to that physically, as long as someone can give you food or water, you can run as long as you want. Right? There are people who run 400 miles at a time. You know that? It's an actual thing. Yeah. It, yeah, right. It's not. If you can run 400 miles at a time, just let me know. It sounds terrible. I mean, it takes them weeks, right? It takes them a week or so. There are people that run 200 miles at a time. It takes them a couple days, right? But they have to run to get to this place where running is just normal. It's just, it's easy as breathing. Moving is just that easy, right? It's like, it's like, do they hurt or do they like get broken down or whatever? And it's like, that's a great question that I've had. And one day I was uh, getting ready to train jujitsu, and there's a guy that trains at our school that runs ultra marathons. And he's like, you know, I ran ran an ultra marathon a couple days ago. I'm like, a couple days ago. He's like, yeah. He's like, you get to a place where it does it doesn't it just doesn't bother you anymore. And what I believe for our church, is that God has called us to do a number of things. And we have to set our focus on doing those things and then watch Him bless that. And as He blesses that, we are going to build our capacity to go further. We're going to build our capacity to do everything that He's called us to do. We, when we do one thing, I feel like it's going to be a snowball effect. Right? I feel like when we start doing the things that God has asked us to do in this next season of Hope Unlimited Church, that we are going to see the fruit of that pretty quickly. Okay, So I feel like that it's, it's a season that we're supposed to run with everything that God's asked us to do. And at the same time, we're going to be built for everything that he wants to do in this church for its lifespan. Right? Not for like 10 years, not for 20 years, but for the rest of the time that Hope Unlimited is a church. The, the next, I would say, seven years are going to be the most important years of this church's life. And I'll tell you why I believe that. So when I was a kid's pastor, not that long ago, everybody's like, huh, you were a kid's pastor. <laughs> it's like, yes, I was. Um... There was, so obviously if you know me at all, you know that I have a real problem when I jump into things. I feel like that I need to know every piece of information about what I'm doing, if I'm personally doing it. Um, and so when I, when I became a kids pastor, and it was even before I was at this church, I be just began to research like kids, right? How do kids think? How do they act? How do they respond? How do they do all this? How do they do all that? 
It's like, why do they do these certain things? Why do they, why do they act out? And there's a number of different things and a number of different reasons why all kids are different, right? But the thing about it is, is that even though all kids are different, from the ages 5 to 12, are, is the most important season of a child's life. Because, according to child psychologists, you are shaping them in a way that will make them have values as adults later in life. It's not even in their teen years. They've already set their values in their teen years, and they're just, in their teen years, I don't know if you're like me, you're just doing stupid stuff to see if these values even work or not. Um, or if I should change one or not. But from the ages 5 to 12, they are setting things in place that are going to affect them for the rest of their lives. I'll give you a great example. So when I play, so I don't know if you know this about me. If you don't, you're about to learn something that you didn't know about me. I am OCD about a couple things in my life but I'm going to share one of them with you. I am OCD about time, right? I have a real problem when I'm going to be late to anything. In fact, if I'm going to be late, I'm just not going, right? Something happened. My cat died. I have to make something happen to come up with a good excuse not to be there, right? I shot a shotgun in the yard, and now the neighbors are, like, looking over here, and they're concerned of what happened. I'm, I'm not coming, right? Not coming. Um, but I have a real problem, right? Like, I even have had to, like, realize that the rest of the world does not think like this. And for some reason, I don't understand that. And it still doesn't register to me why the rest of the world doesn't think like this. It, it, it never in my life have I woke up. And I've been like, man, it'll be okay if I'm 10 minutes late. Never one time. And I know that some of you are not that way. Bless you. Um, but you stress me out. It's fine. But I remember, I remember, actually there was, this is actually kind of funny. There was, my dad used to take me to baseball practice and baseball games, Right? And we would get there an hour early to practice, right? And we, I would get warmed up for practice. I would practice for practice. And then for games, I would get there an hour early or an hour and a half early, and I would hit in the batting cage, and I would fill ground balls before everybody else even got there. And like, there was a part of me that was like, I'm better than you, and this is why I'm better than you. It was true. I practiced more than they practiced. But this thing got shaped in me to never be late anywhere. If you're going to do something, go early enough that if there is a catastrophic event that happens on the way there, you're still there on time. Right? It's the way that I think. That was a value that is shaped, that was shaped in, in me when I was probably like five, six, seven, and I still have that same value. Ask Anna. She's shaking her head, yes. And it's annoying and obnoxious, 
to her. I remember one time, the, 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 one of the greatest challenges that someone ever issued to me, I just remember this, and God, if every time I think that this is going to happen, I am just like, I remember what they said. There was a friend of ours that came into town, and um, they are not the most put-together person to begin with anyway. They're late to places all the time, and I'm not saying that doesn't mean you're not put together, but they have a scattered brain, as one would say. And they asked me, they said, they said, what are you going to do when you have kids? There's no way that you can be on time everywhere with kids. And I was like, that means you have to start getting ready earlier, right? You have another human to get ready. That means it's going to take more time. And so every time that I think that I am going to be late with my child, we may not have diapers, but we're on time. We may not have anything that we need, but we are on time. All because she issued that challenge to me and just is what it is. I say all of that to say there are some things that are going to be set in place at this church over the next few years that are going to be just the way we are. It's just what we do. It's just who we are. It's how we operate. And if you were to try to change us, we would be more insufferable about it. Ask my wife. Right? And so I want to really just break down this morning. I want to break down our mission statement, for one. And then over the next seven weeks, we're going to be breaking down what we call our ways of life or our values here at Hope Unlimited. And so, you know, over the next few years, I would, I would say you can expect things. How many of you remember being five? I Amen. I remember being five. Um, I remember where my seat was in my kindergarten class. My best friend's name was Roman, and he was the reason that got, I got my name taken off the board for the first time because he talked to me during nap time, and I looked over at him. The teacher got us both. I still have bitterness in my heart towards Roman. My goal was to not get my name taken off the board the whole year, and he ruined it. Um, so, anyways, when you're five, and our church just turned five, you start meeting new friends because you're going to kindergarten. You start having these developments that happen in your mind. You start learning new things. You start meeting new people. All of these things start happening when you're five, and you, be you begin to mature a little bit. And I really feel like that's where our church is, that God's going to bring us some new people. Amen. This is not a church that's just for you and your family. This is a church for all of Knoxville. And whoever wants to have a seat here at this church is more than welcome. Right? And so there, there's all sorts of things that happen when you're five. But the main thing is, is it's the moment when your values, the, the clock starts ticking. And you have this gap where whatever you want them to know, you have this period. And when this period is over, you've missed it. Right? So... You can expect a few things. You can expect when you go to kindergarten, how many of you were nervous the first day that you went to kindergarten? I was deeply nervous because we had a principal. His name was uh, 
I forgot his name. Mr. No, it wasn't Smith. That's too generic, Joe. They would catch me in a lie on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, I remember my first day of kindergarten, my dad took me to kindergarten, and he, like, the principal is this, like, six-foot-seven military guy. He, like, walks up to me. He's like, the first thing he says is, you need to tuck your shirt in. I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry. <laughs> and I remember, like, going into class, and, like, I went to school every day with my shirt tucked in. And as soon as I got into class, I'm taking my shirt tail out because my kindergarten teacher did not care. Um, I was nervous. I didn't really know what to expect. I really didn't know what was going to happen when I went to kindergarten. I didn't know what was going to happen. You can expect that here at this church. As we're sorting through what God, all that God is asking us to do, you can expect for times to, you can expect for times of uncertainty. Right? In the life of a church, if there are never times of uncertainty, that means you're not taking any risk. That means you're not growing. And so that means you're not doing anything new. And so you can expect some uncertainty. You can expect, and, and not that we're going to willingly put us into uncertain situations. That's not the case. I'm just telling you what you can expect. But in all of that, you have to have something that keeps you grounded. You have to have something that keeps you rooted in everything that God has called you to do. You have to have a why, right? And so, like, we have this on the wall out there, and we believe this, right? Our mission at Hope Unlimited is just simply this. We live to give people the life that they were made for, encountering God and living in community. That is why we exist. We believe that we are called to give people a way of life that, that really I don't know that I'm sure other churches are, are giving people a certain way of life. But we feel that this is as close to the, to the early church as we can get, as close to the New Testament as we can get. We live to give people the life that they were made for encountering God and living in community. And like, I want you to think about this, just our mission all together. I'm just going to kind of go through the words. We live to give people the life that they were made for, right? Part of what we are doing here at Hope Unlimited, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every event, every community group, Everything that we do is filtered through that, right? We do not do anything that does not line up with that because that's not what God has called us to do. It's not what God's asked us to do. And I think a lot of times what happens within churches is that we get so caught up in, well, this church is doing that and this church is doing this and they sang this, and they preached on this, and they did that. And that's awesome and fine and wonderful. But part of discovering who you are, you have to know who you're not. You have to know who you're not. Right? And we are not a typical evangelical church. We're not an ark church. Right? We, and by ark, I mean like, there is a certain way that they do church, and I love people. I have friends that are in that, but that's not who we are, right? 
Um, you're, you're probably never, unless we have to do like six or seven services, you're probably never going to attend a service here that only lasts an hour. Right? We could just worship for that long. Right? Right? You're probably never going to attend a service that just lasts an hour. You're probably never going to hear me get up and preach a sermon series that another pastor has already preached. <laughs> You're never going to hear me do that. Right? And that's, you know, there are certain things that I am going to say in just a moment what we are building this around. But we have to know that we are not some things. Right? And you'll see those things over the next however many years that you decide to be here. But we live to give people the life that they were made for. In order to give someone a life that they were made for, you have to know that you were made for this life first. You have to know that this is a life that I am also made for. In, other, in, in order to believe in something, in order to show up, Week in, week out, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, make the coffee on Sunday, set up the parking lot, get here at 7 o'clock, do all of those things. You have to believe in something enough to want to do that. You can't just like ask people to do that, right? You can, right? But I don't want to just ask people to be a part of Hope Unlimited. I want them to actually belong and be a part of what we're doing. I don't just want to have people who are serving that we can say we have this many people on the serve team or we have this many people on our hope team, right? That's not the purpose of this. This has to be something that sinks deep within you. And so we live to give people the life that they were made for, encountering God and living in community. I'm going to talk about those two things for a second, okay? So... How do you live a life on a regular basis where you encounter God? Right? Just like notice this about our mission. It's not we live to give people encounters with God. That's not what it says. It says that you were made for a life that is continually encountering God. It doesn't say that we, it doesn't say with one encounter with God, everything's going to change. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, like, if you come and encounter God here, then everything in your life is going to be totally fixed. It doesn't say that. It says the, there is a life that we were made for where we, we are encountering God, an ongoing process, a daily walk with Him. A daily, and even in the ordinary moments of life, a, a, a life that recognizes the presence of God and not only recognizes that God is present wherever you are, but engages with Him in those moments. God wants to engage with you on a regular basis in the ordinary things of life. He wants to engage with you on your way to work, on your drive home, while you're washing dishes, while you're at work, he wants a person and a group of people who want to host his presence all the time. It's not just on Sunday, right? It's not just on Sunday. And to live this life of continually encountering God on a regular basis, if you think 
that you're going to come here, worship, hear me preach, and then go home, and that's going to like sort itself out, you are, you are joking with yourself. You're lying to yourself. I read to you this passage out of Revelation this morning, number one, because Hannah sang, and uh, it was very powerful, and it come to my mind as you were singing. But I come to church today, and I was re really unsettled with part of my message. I was just like, mm, it ain't it. It ain't it. And she started singing that song. I was like, oh, that, that's it. That's it. I got it. I got it. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Right? I read that passage out of Revelation to you this morning because it's something very specific. Right? Jesus is speaking to the church, and he says, you've left your first love. And unless you go back to that, I am removing your lampstand. I am taking all of your influence away from you. Because you are influencing people in the wrong way. Right? You are not influencing people with a love, with a revelation of my love for you. And a revelation of how when I love you, then you can love me back. This is Jesus' message to the church. You left your first love. And because of that, I'm taking away your influence. Listen, this cannot Ever, I mean ever, be a church that is built around trying to gain influence. It has to be built around that first love thing that you have with Jesus. When people come here, they need to actually run into Christians. You ever think about that? They need to actually run into people who this is not just a weekly like social gathering for them. They need to run into people who are continually living this life that, it, that, it, that is rooted in the ways of Jesus. They need to actually know that you actually spend time with God outside of this on Sunday and Wednesday. You can't give people the life that they were made for if you don't know the life that you were made for. You were made to live a life where you are continually encountering God. And contrary to popular belief, it's going to be a strong statement out of the gate this morning, you can do things that make people think that you do not live that life. It's called, Paul called it this, you are a stumbling block to non-believers. You can act in a certain way because of cultural constructs. And they are just cultural constructs, but hear me when I say this. You can live your life in a certain way that nobody even knows that you follow Jesus. You can live your life that way. And here's the scary part. You can really love God and really follow Jesus. But the way that you live your life actually does matter. There is a, there is a, um, there is a cool little teaching going around the church. 
like to address. Basically, just says this. You're free to do whatever you want. Right? And what they are saying is, is I'm free from the law. And I don't have to obey the law. Yes. That's true. But a life lived under the authority of the Spirit of God makes you live in a certain way. Right? And what that way is, is that you are not free to do whatever you want. You are free to consult Him if this is good for you or not. You are free to do that. And then you are free to obey what He says to do. And disobedience to that is say, all that you are saying when you disobey the voice of the Spirit is the law still has a hold in your heart. Disobedience to the voice of the Spirit is obedience to the law. And so like what I can't for the life of me understand is that there are clear ways to live your life in the New Testament. And people just like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to look at that now. I'm free. Free to do whatever I want. How's that working out? I've heard people like say before, I'm free to do whatever I want. And their life is a train wreck. It's like, you are free to do whatever you want. And your life, you doing whatever you want, your life is terrible. It's awful. You don't like yourself. You don't like anybody around you. And if you do like them, nobody knows. You're sad. And you're angry all the time. You can't, have you ever met someone that just like, they can't take a joke? Good God. Those are not my people, okay? Those are not my people. Sorry. Tom had uh, a lady a while, actually it wasn't you, it was somebody else. Maybe it was you, I can't remember. I was uh, scrolling through the devil's tool of Facebook, <laughs> devil's playground, and there was a lady that commented on Tom's post, and it was about millennials or whatever. And clearly, the meme that was shared is a joke. It's like, clearly, this is a joke, right? And this lady just comments on there. She was like, well, these millennials are going to get fired if they don't start showing up to work on time. It's like, awesome. Cool. I'm so glad that you are so offended at this meme that you feel the need to go off in about four paragraphs telling us how better you are at life than us. It's really working out. And I literally, oh, the only thing in my mind, I actually text Tom just the, her, her name. I'm like, what is she doing? Like, what? And I was just like, it's very clear that she can't take a joke, Right? There are people in the world that hate their lives so much that they hate all forms of comedy. All forms of joking, they hate it. And I just don't understand those people. Right? But I have found 
that most of the time in the church, when you catch someone who can't have any fun at all, it's because they have that grumpy holiness, right? You get your life right with God. Yeah. There's a, a TV series that I think is quite hilarious. Um, it's called King of the Hill. <laughs> um, and there is a, th- there's two episodes of it that I think are very funny. Uh, season 10, episode 11. Season 8, episode 2. Both of them are about church. And one of the things about churches is like Hank and his family gets offended because someone sat in their seat. Right? Very typical. And the, so they go church shopping. And it's, that's the name of the episode, church shopping. That happens all the time in church. It's just not over seats. People just get mad that they don't get their way. And then they just go church shopping. Um, that was a really good, like, mm, jab. And y'all just kind of missed it. <laughs> but it's all good. But in this episode, Hank's like, I've had it with Arlen First Methodist Church. Reverend Stroop will not make the Smiths sit in a seat that's not mine. And they're all like recruiting him to come to his church or to come to their churches. And this guy, this guy walks up and he says, you got to be right with God to come to my church. <laughs> it's intense. <laughs> and I was like, I know so many people like that. I know that guy. You ever met those people that it's like, you got to be right with God to even be in a conversation with me. Right? All of those people are just bound by the law. You were made for a life that's submitted to the Spirit of God. And when I say submitted to the Spirit of God, I mean if you are going to make a decision. This is how practical I want this to make you. I want to make it for you. Ask God if you should or not if you are unsure. Ask Him. Here's a, here's a more mature question that you can ask. How will this make people view me if I am saying that I want to be an image bearer for you? How will this make people see me if I say that I want to look just like you? That's the life of the Spirit that Paul says that we should be submitted to in the New Testament. He says this, all things are lawful. Not all things are profitable. What he means is, is that you can actually go do whatever you want. That doesn't mean it's going to benefit you or anybody else. And so how do we give people a life that they were made for? We have to start by living it ourselves. Right? We have to live this life that we say that people are made for. We have to live this life of never letting go of that passion that we first had for Jesus. That sensitivity that we first had when we got saved. I'm actually, this is kind of just news or whatever. It's not really a secret anymore. I'm actually in the process of writing a book right now. And it's going to be for you. It's going to be for our church. And um, it's called A Spirit-Led Life. I couldn't say all of the things that I wanted to say in a sermon series. So I'm just going to write it all down. And then we're going to give it to you to have. 
Um, but I say all of that to say I was reading, the, or I was writing, and I was talking about my first encounters with Jesus. And I just began to get emotional as I wrote. And I was like, you know, that passion has never went away. It has never left. I have never had these like divided affections or whatever you want to call them. Have I, have I had problems in my life? Yes. But I've always got up and said, God, I know I've got a lot going on. But I'm going to seek you until I find you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to burn for you if nobody else is going to. Even if I have all of these problems. You're going to have to do something with all of my problems that I have because I am coming to seek you. What do you do on a regular basis to be sure that you are having daily encounters with God? What do you do? Dang, it got quiet. <laughs> I wish somebody would have said nothing much, really. <laughs> Not really interested. <laughs> what do you do on a regular basis? Listen, you can engage with the New Testament every day in like 30 seconds. There's apps on your phone that will send you a verse. Do you know that? There's plans that you have on your phone that if you are worried about something, you can almost Google it and it gives you a reading plan for it. Right? Are you engaging with God in the place of prayer? Right? Are you, and by the place of prayer, I don't mean are you going in and, and, and interceding for four hours a day. And if you are doing that, awesome. Add me to the list. Okay? But what I mean is, are you inviting God into your space every day? Are you saying, Lord, come and do something with all of this? Even when you don't feel like that's going to fix anything or solve anything. Or even when you feel like that you've done this a thousand times. So what's the point now? What are you doing to live this life that is encountering God on a regular basis? I've started going back to the gym a little bit here and there, okay? A little bit. I don't have a schedule yet because I don't want one yet. But what I have been doing is I do go and I sit in the sauna, which is fantastic. It makes you feel like you've done a lot of work and you haven't, okay? And that's what I need. <laughs> um, so I go and sit in there, and I saw this thing on YouTube. It's like you need to do like, so, like a sauna session like you do sets. So I sit in there for 15 minutes, get out. Drink a bunch of water, get back in. Get out, do that. And so while I'm in there, though, I read a book, and I listen to classical music, in my AirPod Pros that are sound-canceling. But it's like, I was thinking about that the other day, and it's like, if I just did this every day for the rest of my life, I would read like 30 or 45 minutes a day. And there would be something that like took root in my heart, surely to God, if I did this every day. 
What would it look like if you did something every day just to engage with God? What would your life look like? How different would it look if you did something every day, right? We have to live a life that is encountering God on a regular basis. And this is the last thing. Jake, you can come on up. We have to live a life inside of the community of God. Listen, to practice Christianity apart from community is not Christianity. That's, it's not it. It ain't it. You've got to come to church. Right? There, there, is a, there is a literal, like Paul gives us the reason why we should not forsake the assembly of the saints. And I'm not one of those pastors that's like, Paul said it. So you better show up to church, brother. That's not me. He says specifically, some of you have made a habit of forsaking the assembly of the saints. Some of you have made a habit. But do not forsake the assembly of the saints. You need to provoke one another in love and good deed. You need this on a weekly basis. This is like the early church met more than once a week. And I understand that we have cultural constructs that are different. But you need to be here. Right? It's important that you are here. You need to be provoked in both love and good deed. Love for God and love for others. The community of God is something that actually we don't build. It's something that we live inside. The community of God, it is the people of God. And we are called, as New Testament believers, to reflect the image of Jesus. And we believe this is how this, this way of life helps you do that. To encounter God on a regular basis and to live inside of community, it helps you reflect the image of Jesus. Listen, community, part of the community of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this. He says, the community of God is when people show up together. They are being formed into the image of Jesus by community. But how that happens is, is that I look at Jam, and he looks like Jesus. And I look at Dave, and he looks like Jesus. And I look at these other people, and they look like Jesus. And as I see them, it begins to transform my heart. Community and fellowship are actually two different things. Right? Fellowship is us getting together and hanging out. And I think that's great. It's as spiritual as anything that we do. But there is a life that all of that is under. And it's encountering God and living inside of community. And when we get together in fellowship, it's not like just on Sundays that Jam looks like Jesus. 
It's in this men's group that I'm going to be hosting. It's in Missy's creative group that she's going to be hosting. It's in all the groups that we have to offer. It's in going out and getting coffee with someone, going out to lunch with someone. The community of God, that is the people of God. And if you forsake that, you miss part of this faith. You miss part of this life. You cannot convince people that living in community is important unless you do it. You know why I host community groups? Because I think they're important. I'm the pastor of the church. You're not supposed to do that. Too bad. I think they're important. I'm the pastor here. I can host a community group if I want. (laughs) But it's like, on the real, let me ask you this. This life that we believe that we are giving away to everyone, do you even live it? Do you live it? Do you live a life that encounters God on a regular basis? And do you live a life that you are are in the community of the saints on a regular basis? And because of those two things, you are being transformed into the image of Jesus. Do you live that type of life? Because this is Hope Unlimited. This is who we are. This is what we do. Right? Stand to your feet with me this morning. This is what I want us to do this morning. Kelby and Lauren coming on down to the front for prayer. Awesome. Not actually to get prayed for. If you need prayer, they'll be down here. But also for prayer. Stretch your hands toward them. I'm just joking. Yeah, right. But I want you to ask yourself this question. I believe God is up to something really special among this group of people. I believe that he is up to something really special at this church. And I just want us today, I want us to ask our, I want to take us, I want everyone in the room to take a moment and I want you to just ask yourself, do you encounter God on a regular basis and are you in community? I just want to, I, I want you to, I want you to just ask yourself that question in this moment and I want you to answer it within your heart and I want you to not present your excuses to God today I just want you to commit I want you to say this is a life that I was made for and not only is it a life that I was made for I was made to give it to others because I am a follower of Jesus and followers of Jesus give everything they have away And so this morning, I want to pray with you. And if you would, just stretch your hands to Jesus all over the room. Father, I thank you this morning for your presence. God, I'm thankful that in this place we can ask ourselves real questions. I'm thankful this morning that you are who you say that you are. I'm thankful that we can encounter you. That we can seek you and find you. 
that we can know you and love you, that we can feel you closer than the skin on our bones. Father, I thank you this morning that you are shaping us and you are forming us into everything that we are supposed to be as a community. And God, I pray as you do that, that you would shape us and that you would form us as individuals. Jesus, we love you this morning. And we thank you for all that you're doing among us. There is nobody like you. Lord, take us back to that place of first love where our hearts are lit, where the flames of our hearts are lit. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you today for who you are. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer for anything this morning, you can come to the front and get prayer. If not, I'll see you Wednesday night at 6.30. I love you.